0: So, I have a question. Have you ever wanted to get into comics but you just didn't know where to start? Well, welcome to Comics Quest. I'm JD Martin, and every week I sit down with a guest to talk a comic that I think anybody can pick up and start their comics reading journey. We take a look at psychedelic sci fi, fantastic action, heart wrenching love stories, and of course, superheroes. So
1: check us out at CertainPOV.com or wherever you listen to your podcasts. Welcome back, Serial Killers, to another deep dive into the files of Saturday Morning Confidential. I feel like today's episode is going to be a race to dusk, a race to daylight, because we are not covering one, not two, but three action-packed vampire films of the very first Marvel Cinematic Universe interaction before marvel studios before x-men there was blade and to talk the blade trilogy i have honestly i would say i think can take the title from dan purcell as friend of every pod i have back with me again jd martin my love my light jd welcome back to the show
0: i i i'm sorry i i can't take the title from dan Oh, only because in our contract, uh, I, I, I have to call him at the at the end of every episode of Comics Quest, so it's just yes. kind of our thing.
1: Cute, cute, cute. I do say then that you all have formed the League of Extraordinary Pod uh, Podcasts, then, uh, which I think I also have to be on because we can blame Case because I've been on every fucking show on the network at this point that's had a guest i think you have as well
0: uh i have i think i believe currently as of this recording i am currently tied with alan Kissler as most appearances on men of steel nice and i am coming for that title alan
1: <laughs> i mean i can say i've done one men of steel but case knows this A lot of the world knows this. I hate Superman. So. Well, uh, it's okay to be wrong. Listen. I mean, I can't say anything when one of my favorite Batman titles is all-star Batman and Robin. I'm literally not allowed to say anything about what I do and do not like. (laughs) As JD just sips their soda. (laughs) Listen, it's flawed. It's terrible. It's bad. It is. But, uh. You know, I'm the goddamn Batman. I love it. I it's, 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 uh, it's trash,
0: but it's it's, it's kind of, it's kind of fun trash and it looks gorgeous. Uh-huh. Cause
1: Jim Lee, it's beautiful. It's beautiful. And I will say with the exception of the, the thing is if they cleaned up the language, it would be a very like PC language wise in some of the content. I think it would actually make brilliant television or film, but you would have to clean up quite a bit. Um, uh, yeah. I don't know. I mean,
0: Dick Grayson is forced to eat rats at one point. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And there yeah. is, I believe
0: I mean... the point where uh, Batman and someone else, I think black Canary, like have sex after like, uh, like on top of dead bodies. I believe that's yeah, a thing. Yeah, they
1: definitely do. Mm-hmm, yeah, mm-hmm, so
0: so mm-hmm. cut that for sure. Mm-hmm,
1: mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, if the boys could do what the boys does, I'm just saying. I mean, yeah, also yeah, Batman that, and Robin is also know the boys. <laughs>
0: yeah, no, no, uh, no, and also the boys is
1: know the boys the TV show. That's very true. So. JD, why don't you reintroduce yourself to anyone who has not heard your Steven Universe episodes, which like, what the fuck is going on with you all? Go back, listen to them right now. Uh, Reintroduce yourself and then tell me why you pitched not one, not two, but all three Blade movies for us to cover today.
0: Okay. So a lot of people probably know me from uh, my main main podcast that I have put on hiatus uh, so many times at this point that it's kind of, I feel like it's a running joke, uh, Comics Quest uh also angela bones bullock and i have our neil gaiman centric podcast fables and reflections i have a couple of other in the works in fact um uh now once this episode is out there is already the announcement that uh, the one and only meg griffin and i have a podcast coming out in october called screaming in woodsboro where we, we're discussing all five scream movies and that's going to yes. be a ton of fun uh so look forward to that um and that's a all that's about all i've got other than uh you know like hey if you want d if you want uh me to do D stuff with you i i love i'm getting into D now so i have
1: that the, the, they just showed all of the books and their dice and their dice catcher uh do it call them get them in your D circle like i will just say JD that the um episode directly after these two episodes uh is going to be scream I have two incredible gentlemen on talking about scream so after they listen to my scream episode they should go listen to your and Meg's podcast I am showing.
0: I'm just just showing Maddie my my tray full of like I have seven
1: are those the dice bags with the ant are those the dice bags with the animals on the outside uh they have dragons Ah, yes, they have a dragon set, and then they have one that's, like, other animals, and I bought that for, like, my squad during grad school. Uh, Fun story. JD and I have already done this once, uh, and the weather in Texas said, not you, queers. And uh, so here we are. That is a very Uh, Texas
0: thing to happen.
1: It is true. Uh, Texas hates the queers. But, you know, I love the queers, which is why you were here. So, before I so rudely interrupted you... So I think this came out of us joking about Blade before and that we, I think, are some of the only people who are the biggest fans of Blade Trinity. And I was like, let's talk about it. And you were like, oh, the other Blade movies. And I was like, I I don't know. Why don't we just do all three Blade movies? Ha ha ha. Wouldn't that be funny? And here we are talking all three Blade movies. So why Blade?
0: Uh why Blade is a fantastic question. So this goes back to the origins of me as a child. Uh growing up, uh like people know me now as as a as a massive horror fan, I was never a massive I was not always a massive horror fan. Uh like the closest I got when I was a child was Scooby-Doo or The Black Cauldron. And it's about as close as I got. Uh until this had to have been um sometime in early uh, 2006 when uh, my mom and I were visiting a friend of hers in Oklahoma and uh, her kids who are much older than I, than I am uh, were in the living room watching TV. Specifically, it was the Spike TV channel and they were watching something else and that I think it, it had to have been like Jackass or something. And the next thing came on and it happened to be like these... This like helicopter in the desert, uh, like like coming down, and like these people start stepping out, and they like have they, they look like soldiers, but the thing but the thing that's weird about them is that like their their whole bodies are covered, even their face, and they have these weird looking like creepy looking face masks. All of a sudden, one flips off the sun. They go down into um a pyramid on, under underground. They start searching around. And all of a sudden, they get picked off one by one by some monster in the dark, and then. Uh, cut to, you know, like a a like regular old city landscape, and like it's like dingy and weird and like dark looking, and there's like these little little uh cutesy vampire stickers that are that are plastered everywhere, and all of a sudden, warehouse explosion, and a badass motherfucker steps out. That badass motherfucker is Wesley Snipes, and then the title comes up, Blade Trinity, and I'm like what even is this my my set my seven-year-old brain cannot comprehend what the fuck is going on and i was stuck there forever and i was watching that movie and i absolutely adored it my mom was then forced by me to go to hollywood video to scour for dvds of blade blade 2 and blade trinity and we succeeded and uh, it, it 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 put me on the path that I am today. Like we have we have Wesley Snipes and David Goyer to thank for for where I am now.
1: I mean, it is a really interesting way to say that this was kind of your gateway into horror because Blade Trinity, oddly enough, is like the least horrific of the three films, which is so interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, but I will say. The first movie is like shock and gore and mm-hmm. then the second one is like combinations of like gore, monster of the week and horror and that's just because of uh big big daddy del toro directed the second one. So it is really interesting, but I much like you had my gateway with Blade Trinity um Ryan Reynolds is hot. I think we can all agree on that. There is no question. He's shirtless uh, for he a lot is. of that movie. Yes, he is, and he's also because it's also the year that it was. is not even just shirtless. He's in shirtless and low-rise jeans. That too, uh, with a tattoo just above. Um, the the you know what? Uh, that he's got, got know, he's got a those...
0: revert he's got a reverse tramp stamp.
1: Yes. Uh, Also, because it's that time where, like, you had to have a very specific grooming regiment for those pants were so low. But I'm not mad at it. I don't think anyone is. Uh, He had very Star Lord esque. You know, it's one of those things. Like, clearly, if Guardians of the Galaxy had happened a decade earlier, he would have been Star Lord. Honestly, though, like, I'm not. We'll
0: save it. I'll say this right now, and you might agree with me. Ryan Reynolds would be a better Star Lord than Chris Pratt.
1: Uh, yes. I think first movie, Chris Pratt was an incredible star Lord. And then he got, you know, he got really hot for that first movie, but still had like, I'm going to use really kind of crass terms here. He still had fat guy personality uh, and fat guy humor uh, and then got shitty conservative Christian Man Hollywood personality after that, and it just fucking sucked. Uh, but also, I think we'll say it when we get there that the I'm shocked we did not have a Deadpool movie within a year or two after Blade Trinity because that was clearly his audition for Wade Wilson. Like, we got Origins, I think, eight years later, like, shot about six years later. That's not real Deadpool. That's not real Deadpool. I will scream that from the mountains. That's not real Deadpool.
0: You got it less than that, actually. Uh, I believe, I believe Origins was like oh nine so it yeah. was only like maybe this like was four what, years G- later the, yeah. this was
1: this was oh yeah trinity was 05. Oh 2004 yeah yeah 2004 2005 yeah but like that's not real deadpool that's not real deadpool yeah. uh so but like i the nice thing about these movies is you can know almost nothing other than there's this half vampire half mortal guy that's hunting down uh hunting down vampires and he has this like stodgy old guy that helps him all you really need to fucking know that's all you need to know mm-hmm. going into the third one you need to know a smidge more but like i didn't know anything about it i knew who whistler was and that was the extent so let's jump right on in so blade created for marvel came about during the exploitation film era mm-hmm. um didn't actually develop the the power set that he has in the movie in the comics until after which i think is a really interesting thing because i do think he has a very particular fun power set having that kind of vampire strength and everything but also still having that hunger i think it's really interesting um you know so they've used him for years and then this was a very interesting choice for marvel's first venture to like a major motion picture because we'd had like generation x and the bad fantastic four made for tv movies in like 94 96 um and so it was a bold move but
0: i i love that you're also glossing over the fact that we had a captain america movie
1: oh i always forget about that movie i have to be honest it's the it's the time of the weird fleece puffy costumes where everybody Mm-hmm. They all looked like theme park. They all looked like theme park.
0: Mm-hmm. Uh, like, His like, was like, was like bad pleather though. Yeah,
1: it was. Yeah, it was all rough. It was very rough. Um, And I think there was the Spider-Man one in there too. There were, there was a planned Spider-Man one uh, and you yeah. had that bad flash movie, which isn't Marvel. This was like a not great time for ser- superhero movie films that weren't Batman. Um, yeah. So, you know, this is kind of the opposite of Batman. It takes it and goes even further into the darkness, especially where we'd gotten with like the Schumacher Batmans at this point. So like, I do think it was a really interesting choice, but also Vampire Fever was huge at this point with this first movie. We'd had Kindred the Embraced. You'd had Lost Boys a decade before. You had Buffy. Um, So like we were at a point where like, I think Charmed had even started at this point, maybe. that, like, monster of the week thing had come back. Horror horror in this idea had been modernized and brought into kind of the techno age. So I do think it was interesting, but also kind of makes sense that Blade was their kind of first foyer into contemporary film. It makes, yes,
0: you're right. It makes a lot of sense uh, since this this came out in 1998. Fun fact, the year I was born. Uh, So this came out the year after batman and robin which at, at the time batman and robin was like a full-on failure for yeah the company so that like yeah. commercial critical everyone like no one liked that movie it's fine it's a it. good it's a, it. it's a it's a good, movie. It is a good batman, movie. batman Forever. i will say batman forever i think is a much better movie batman forever is actually like a genuinely good movie batman mm-hmm. batman mm-hmm. And robin is just it's just fucking fun uh yep but, but clearly like the, 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 uh, what they, what was taken away from that experience was people don't want big colorful fun anymore. They want dark and broody because that's what, because, what was more critically acclaimed? It was those Burton. It was those Burton Batman movies. And what were they all about? They were all about dark and moody. Even though they still have like the same sensibility as the Schumacher movies, but we're not going to get into that. That's not this episode. Mm-hmm. But that was that was the consensus after that. And you're right with with the vampires Buffy premiering the year the year prior to Blade, uh, go, and us going through like this vampire renaissance earlier in the decade but you're right yeah so like it, it all kind of just coalesced into into like a perfect storm for for that and then wesley snipes was already a comic book, comic book fan and he was trying mm-hmm. he had been trying to get a black panther movie made and that fell through so this was like the next best thing for him and then david goyer also a big comic book fan and was breaking into the industry with like the horror movie demonic toys and uh mm-hmm. there was a a uh, there was a jean-claude van damme movie that he wrote which i always forget which one it is it's either death warrant or blood sport i can't remember which one it was but it was earlier Bloodsport. it was like earlier in the 90s uh yeah and and he was growing in the industry and, and uh, the same year this came out he also co-wrote uh dark city so he so like everything just kind of was perfect for, for this to wind up for this movie to wind up happening. Mm -hmm. And, uh,
1: and yeah, it's a, it's a fun little movie. So let's talk about from the top, what really works for us. So like for me, I think I, you know, I, I said this before, but when it comes to a good horror movie, you can gauge the kind of quality of the film from the first kill. The first Mm -hmm. kill to me is really important. Um, So, you know, the, the, uh, Drew Barrymore death and in scream, incredible, incredible scene that really sets the tone for the rest of the film. Um, you know, in, in Halloween, just incredibly important first kills. Um, so in this, we see, you know, this gorgeous, gorgeous lady bringing in this kind of unassuming dorky mid nine, you know, late nineties, kind of hot guy, um, to this club, and it's it's that quintessential Hollywood New York thing where like you're going into a warehouse, then you go through a meat locker, then you do all this, and you end up in this room that is not very it's very sleek it's clinical it's it's off putting in the most exciting exhilarating way for this underground rave, and then you've got he's in dark. And all of these other people that they want you to watch are in white. And then the blood happens. It just starts raining blood. The blood showers. He ends up getting the sheep bitten out of him and the shit beaten out of him. Not sheep beaten in. Oh God. Oh, don't get all dirty. Um, And, uh, and then, you know, Blade shows up, kicks him ass. So a lot happens in that first scene. But for me, from the top, it really sets a tone of what we're going to expect. And something that I really appreciate, the vampires are not in all black. And that sets a tone for what their spaces are going to look like when we get to them in like 20 minutes of the film. And again... I think all really important things for setting the tone and setting an expectation to tell the audience what to look for and kind of what color keys to start to follow, which I think is a really smart way to kick off a movie.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And uh, this, this is something we, we we brought last time we tried to record. This was, you know, it it, it seems as though they are kind of going for a, almost like a, a commentary with the fact mm-hmm. that you have all these sleek wh- like stark white vampires who are being hunted down by uh, a black vampire hunter whereas uh, where and and they're talking about how they are the master race and how they are above everyone and blade is here to cut them down to size and be like nah you aren't uh <laughs> it seems like there there is a commentary they're trying to go for however it is is also written by a white man directed by a white man so you know there is there's only so far they can go Mm uh which uh, so but but it seems like there was like they're trying to put that there and i appreciate that especially with wesley snipes there Uh, Mm Um, but i i i do love the opening of this movie like watching watching this as like like you only recently watched this so like imagine imagine watching this when you're seven uh and it's the cool it's the coolest god goddamn thing you've ever seen
1: I mean, I was big Weenie Hut Jr. kid, so, like, that was not going to happen for little me. Yeah, just for everyone at home, I forgot that I said it last time and kind of made a big deal out of it. I watched these for the first time, like, a month ago, the first two films for this recording. I'd seen Blade Trinity several times, but, like, I thought I'd seen the other two and just realizing that I'd seen, like, clips of them. But, yeah, this was the first time that i was taking it in and so it was really interesting to kind of also from the jump i was like oh it's gonna be horror i mean like action and the moment you add a monster element there are always a little horror to it but like to me blade trinity isn't that horrific Uh -uh. because all the like dustings and stuff are clean you don't get the like body horror of the second film so like there, you know it's it's far cleaner as far as like kills and things go in in that one, so it is just interesting to me, though. But 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 yeah, going back to the first one, that it was shocking to kind of see that scene. But again, I knew exactly what movie I was going to get after I watched that scene. I knew exactly what was going to happen.
0: Yeah, and I like the, what you say about uh, about Trinity having like being very clean, because this movie is very dingy and dirty and grimy, and 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 like like with the way it is shot, uh, like the way, like this is like clearly like meant to be new york mm-hmm. and yet it like does not like seem like New like it doesn't seem like the new york that like will let like will later inhabit spider man like this is not queens so like but, mm-hmm. but but like you can like you could like you can't like you could you could put wesley snipes's blade in a raimi spider man movie you can't put toby maguire spider man in this blade movie it it wouldn't yep. it would not fully fit it is i don't even know how to describe this new york it, it it's so there, there is something just slightly alien about it something off-putting about it mm-hmm.
1: this is well i mean this isn't too far off of what new york in the 90s actually was because So keep in mind 94, 95 marked Disney buying the new Amsterdam theater, signing a 99 year lease on the theater. Um, And this is when the cleaning up of Times Square started. So it just meant that like things moved and like this is also that like, you know how nobody really understands what L.A. or or L.A., the the L.A. counties are unless you live there, Mm -hmm. because. Hollywood has told us a very specific thing. This is, there's nothing more peak nineties new like Hollywood than what this movie shows in New York. Like, honestly, uh, you could watch episodes of law and order from like 94 to 99 and be yes. like, Oh no, clearly that's what happens during the day. And then blade happens at night. It all fits in the same New York. Yes. And it, it's very much the, the dramatized Hollywood version of New York, but it also still feels like the New York from like mm-hmm. angels in America and like those kinds of things. It it feels like that entertainment version of New York, which isn't necessarily that far from the actual like city, but this is very dirty, very it's the, it's the part of New York that tourists were always too afraid to see. And now tourists will go to any part of the fucking five boroughs because social media has ruined new york but um like you know it's just one of those things before they'd be like let's go to the hotel and we'll go see a show and we'll go get food but that's all we're gonna do because it's not safe to be out after dark we'll go to chinatown but only during the day and now you know it's just not that so this is still very much like on the nose for the time i feel but yeah if you told me that,
0: that this particular cinematographer theo uh, van de Sand, I believe is his name. Uh, if you told me that he also shot episodes of Law and Order, I totally believe you.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: It it, yeah. it totally jerks. There's,
1: there's a great grit to it. Um, mm-hmm. But I think, again, I think that tone and that first kill and the tone of the first couple scenes of seeing New York, especially New York mostly at nighttime, mm-hmm. which is when everybody's afraid to be in New York. Um, you know, you wanted to be either on the subway, you wanted to be somewhere where you were going to be somewhere by the time it was like late dark. Um, If you were not living there. And, you know, again, this is that idea of like, New York is scary. New York is edgy, especially like a New York where superheroes can exist. Um, You know, that's why things like Buffy, it's like, oh, this is a a California suburb. It's not even LA. And this is happening here. Are you kidding me? Uh, It's, you know, those little tones. So what are some things for you, JD, that just stand out as making this film like really exceptional or things that really they did really well with this film?
0: I think first off the bat, casting Wesley Snipes as Blade is just it was so because like to get this pitch perfect casting for your title role is so important. And mm-hmm. they nailed it so well, mm-hmm. like to the point where of course mm-hmm. they they built a whole trilogy around him. And then when they recast him for the blade tv series that later came out and it just it just wasn't quite right like now having mahershala ali today playing blade and like they like with it with a movie and everything and the fact that he pitched himself for it like that makes total sense now and like today that is perfect casting but before mahershala ali i could not tell you one other person who could play this role because it just he lives and breathes this i think another aspect is when you have a, such a great uh, person at, 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 as your protagonist, you have to have a great person as your antagonist and to play Deacon Frost, they get fucking Steven Dorf. I mean this man. And I love that. I love that right now his career is back on an upswing, especially after true detective mm-hmm. with, Hey, Mahershala mm-hmm. Ali. Like I, I love him here. And I think it, like, like there's a reason why his career is like defined by this particular role because like Mm -hmm. he just didn't do anything he didn't do anything else like this where he is Mm -hmm. the he he is here like it's like i mentioned earlier that the that like the vampires in this movie are all about we are the master race we are above humans these people Mm -hmm. are our food these people are our food not our allies fuck all of them that is deacon and yet you and yet he is not even like a quote unquote pure blood. And that's like a that's a term Mm -hmm. that they fucking use here Mm -hmm. as like people who are born vampires and it's like and like you have the, the, the council elders who have been around for centuries and have made these back like these back alley Dealings with humans and are have infiltrated like like the government and other and other places of a high society. and It's like they own the police department, they own the hospitals, mm-hmm. they own the blood, do- mm-hmm. they own, own like the the blood banks, they own all these different aspects of human society, and, and and Deacon is 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 here saying, no fuck that. They are our food source. They are cattle to us. Uh, I want to take over, and I want, and he is. Reaching back farther into their history and saying, "I'm bringing about, the, I'm bringing about the apocalypse, and I'm going to bring about the blood god." And it's like some, something that I always kind of am, am am kind of like interested in is how a lot of fantasy and horror and sci-fi villains have kind of vague uh goals in mind uh, as as what as when they ha- when they have when their whole deal is world domination and, and it's like i want to i want world domination because i want more power and sure whatever like it works for it works for the genre but here like they give like real reason of i want world domination because like i because i truly believe that we are above everyone and like I, I want us to have like eternal food source and I just want us to like live deliciously for the for all for all of eternity. Mm-hmm. And so like I I I love the writing for Deacon. I love Steven Dorf at in that role. And so mm-hmm. all of that works. And then I think the third most important like like one the other third like in this triptych is Nabush right as um mm-hmm. oh my lord, why can't I think of her name? Karen. Um mm-hmm. uh, karen jensen uh who unwittingly gets into all this by getting bitten by donalogues uh uh quinn after he gets burned to a fucking crisp by blade and then comes back because this motherfucker will not die uh and then she just comes in and she's just like well either i'm gonna cure him or i'm gonna blow them the fuck up but that's what i'm here for
1: mm-hmm mm-hmm she's so good and i think you're right that like the cast really makes this also chris christopherson is whistler absolutely i mean even the cameo of like tracy lords and we've got Sana lathan who is an incredible like eight eight ball to pull out in the third act of the film she's so good she plays his mother and so I think it is really interesting. Cause we see her bitten and like him taken from her body. Yeah.
0: We, yeah. We didn't even talk about that, that like this movie doesn't mm-hmm. technically doesn't open with the first kill. Like, like technically right. the first it kill opens, is, yeah. is, is his mom is his mom, his mom. because yeah. it opens with a flashback of her, uh, going into labor at the hospital after she's been
1: attacked. Yeah. Which again, also a great way to open. Cause it's setting the kind of stakes and standards for Blake, Blake. Oh my God. Blake. Blake blade uh because they do that really good never mind i'm gonna hold i'm gonna save this statement for for my next thing um and keep going with casting so good just absolutely so good and having the choice to make deacon a young character where in the comics he's an like an older vampire white hair it makes a ton of sense that he's young and an I was a quote unquote new vampire, but a turned vampire versus the like older, played by older actors, council, who also are speaking in like the native vampire tongue and talking about the old ways. It did a really nice job to like set that tone. Um, even in the way of like every time the council meets it's in like a dusty stone room but all of deacon's spaces are clinical and steel and bright white fluorescent light which is all just so opposite of what we think of vampires so like all of these things together um plus making um uh uh wright's portrayalist karen and having her in like normal clothing. So she still stands out from everyone else. Like she's in kind of unassuming clothing. She's the shit beaten out of her in this movie, but really like shows her salt as like a character, as a person going through this. Like, it's just amazing. And I think without more capable actors, this movie would have flopped. Yeah. Like like, this cast is absolute lightning in a bottle.
0: Yes. And the fact that like her third act journey is clawing her as as actually first of all uh being like just dropped down a fucking hole into an abyss that uh houses the like the undead zombified vampire thing that is her her ex-boyfriend the her doctor Mm -hmm. ex-boyfriend that was attacked at the same time as her uh, and then she fucking murks him. Then has to claw her way out with a piece of bone, mm-hmm. and then comes out and is and is like lost a lot and like has like like, like goes to save Blade, gives her uh, gives him all of her blood like like half of her blood, and she's just woozy half the time. Then takes a shotgun and starts blasting bodyguards away, and it just mm. like she fucking rules in this movie it makes me so sad that she never got to come back for for any of the sequels mm-hmm. she, she like I honestly I can't say anything else that I've seen her in uh, and that mm-hmm. makes me really sad because she fucking rocks here
1: because I really thought a good place to bring her back would have been in that like group of people that uh, uh young whistler was part of in the third movie that would have been a great time to bring her back to kind of show her with with everything like with that part of it that like it would have been a nice time to bring her back yeah like Um, like
0: like and like because like we'll get to it eventually but like that like blade instantly like does not even though they saved him that he does not trust the night stalkers but having karen there he'd be like oh wait like Maybe I should trust you. Like maybe, like maybe you're all right. If she's here.
1: Yeah. Yeah. She stopped pretty much acting in 2006. She had one more role in 2018, but like she has not done much. She did a lot right after this film. And she did a ton before this film. Um, Really active career from like 92 to, to, 2006 more or less um but it's just they really and even some of the secondary cast like casting tracy lords even though she's not around for a lot of the movie really great they did a really nice job to just like make sure the cast gets it or i always bring her up because she hasn't really done anything else this is the arlie jover who plays mercury yes Um, so good and it's a shame that like on all the pages it's like known as playing mercury and blade uh and i was just like oh that's a bummer but i mean that happens to so many people but it's the cast does an incredible job of really owning this and again they didn't treat it like a superhero comic book movie they treated it as an action film where all of the things that are happening are life and death because this is still somewhere relatable between like you know, a, a neighborhood kind of superhero level, something happening and a galactic level event happening. This is very middle of the road and it affects so many people though. I still say like he gets that when the blood God comes and turns everyone into vampires and yes, he makes it rain blood that can't last forever. Like if all humans are vampires who y'all gonna feed on after a little while? Don't worry, listeners. No need to adjust your dial. This is Landline Radio. Welcome to the end of the dial at the end of the world. I'm the host, and we bring you stories too chilling and strange to be true. Right from the heart of towns where the lines between this world and the next connect. Stories from people just like you. For those long, dark, lonely nights driving down roads that never seem to end. We'll be here. And don't worry if you can't find us. We'll find you. Leyline Radio is from Dreamer Productions and can be found monthly, exclusively starting in October on their Patreon feed. Follow the link in the show notes below to hear and enjoy.
0: Have you ever seen something in a theater that
1: you just couldn't explain? Or have you ever thought about if dying really ain't that bad? And do you spend sleepless nights wondering exactly what happened in Natalie Wood that night on the boat? If you answered yes to any of these questions, then it's time for you to exit stage death. Exit Stage Death is the chilling true stories behind your favorite Broadway shows. Releasing bi-weekly on Tuesday, starting May 24th. So if you want to find out which Broadway house is the most haunted... Talk about what killed our favorite Broadway flops. And learn about the murderous path of Mama Rose that took Gypsy Rose Lee to stardom. It's time for Places Actors. Thank Thank you, you places. Places. It's time to exit stage death. Yeah, I... You are so correct. The casting is just so good in this. It's just so 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 good. I mm-hmm. mean, um, even little roles like the character actor that plays is in the body of Pearl, like in the in the the suit, like it's they get this so just up to the edge of being absolutely ridiculous, um, and it's and, said, it's
0: like it's like so grotesque that it is that it is almost ridiculous.
1: Yep. Yeah, because Pearl I mean- is
0: like fucking terrifying. Where it's just like this gluttonous vampire that has that that is now like basically the IT vampire.
1: Yeah but it also reminds me of the world of warcraft episode of south park
0: you're talking to someone who is in, uh, who, who uh, has probably watched at, like at max like three episodes of south park
1: okay so it's just in in that episode they're playing so much to level up because there's one guy that's going through and killing everybody's characters so like they've leveled up so much and they slowly just get like really flat fat and just like oh like, drift back and are being like hand-fed cheetos and mountain dew and shit it's i really think gross. I,
0: I i think i've seen a clip of this episode actually
1: you've probably yeah um but but it's and it's those moments where we start seeing that kind of like otherworldliness though i was like it is an interesting thought cuz like how often do we see fat vampires never like Never ever ever never ever ever do we. Yeah, see Pac- like Empire. even like like Quinn is a like
0: Quinn's got some weight to him. He's a little chubby, chunk boy. Yeah, he's a chunk
1: boy. Yeah, he's yeah. Chunk boy. He's, I mean, and he McDonald's. like
0: and he fucking like just rules this movie. He comes like he comes in like I am the swinging dick of this movie, and I'm not afraid to show off.
1: And it is really interesting because like you have vampires that have been around long enough that like there aren't even the things that can kill them. Don't so it's like if 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 it's right because like he gets the shit burned out of him doesn't die has his arm chopped off doesn't die get thrown out of a uh, gets thrown out of a fucking um uh skyscra- skyscraper doesn't die like it's one of those things that like he just keeps going and that and because he's kind of this like reckless redneck of a of a vampire I love a hillbilly vampire like it's just one of those things that it is it actually makes that terror so much worse because it's like oh sure they might die but they also might not die and they might have to just keep going and it's like oh shit that's crazy
0: Mm -hmm. yeah it's it's all around this movie is just it's so fucking it's just so fucking fun because like Mm -hmm. you talked like we talk about like the stakes and like the reason why this movie just works so well is that they have the stakes just high enough to where you're not constantly worried about everything and you're also not bored to tears by the fact it's like oh here we go another apocalypse movie where it's Mm -hmm. like yeah there's there's like the potential for apocalypse but like that's not what we're like what we're here for we're here for blade to just fuck shit up and that's what's incredible about this Mm -hmm. is that they like Mm -hmm. david goyer knew going into writing this that like they needed to think small they need like they think Mm -hmm. they need to think small pretend like looking like they were thinking big and it was just yeah. con- like contain it, simplify it, give only the 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 utmost necessary information, and then just let let the cast carry the rest of it.
1: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I agree so much, um, because it's also like this wasn't a point where everybody was getting sequels necessarily. Mm-hmm. I mean, like Jurassic Park had, but like it's, it is impressive that the studio continued to make more of these and had a different director with each of them. And so that really did kind of change how they looked at the film. Um, And something, so this is my next thing is they did a really nice thing of um, starting local, but, but in like implying global. So, the And this comes from the script. So the script, I think, is really fucking solid in this film and the mm-hmm. storytelling of how they use it, because, you know, a lot of times when it comes to vampires, not every vampire is the same. Not every vampire entity is, you know, even Twilight has its own lore. So it's this. The, you know they could get really burdened with it or like buffy it took two seasons to really hash a lot of the bullshit out where this they go through and play blade, it blades like such and such and such and such absolute bullshit this works and this works but only with this it's like 14 seconds and every time we need something they don't give you a crazy info dump they actually make it work within the script mm-hmm. and then they give us small things like this giant book like the bible of vampires that is in this like museum tomb that they have and and but using the technology and deciphering it for the new vampires because so many of the old vampires can't even read the language anymore there are these things that they work as key points into the script so it doesn't belabor us being bogged down in a scene that's just exposition. they tell us things when we need to know it but it's as the characters are also finding out which i think is a really effective use of storytelling and script writing for this movie
0: yeah absolutely work smarter not harder it like that's that's like i feel like that was the mantra for the writing and directing of this movie and you talk about the 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 scene where uh where we're given like the rules of how of like of the rules of like how to kill a vampire and like some something i i forget who uh who I, I, I remember seeing this about. I think it might have been from the YouTube channel Just Write Sage Hayden, who's fantastic. Go watch his videos. Um, and, and, and but it was, it was like doing having something to do with like how to write exposition that doesn't feel like exposition. And one of the things you do is that like like you may like you have the info dump, but make sure the info dump is happening while something insane is happening. And here it's on a small level where you have Whistler who is. Filling up the car uh with gasoline, while then proceeding to light a cigarette, at, mm-hmm. right after that, just showing that he just does not give a fuck anymore, and then proceeds yeah. to to tell the rules. And like I love that is kind of like a way of like, listen to this man because this is a man who just does not give a fuck anymore, and will and is gonna mm-hmm. and just gonna shoot straight with you. Yep. And then he proceeds to them. just like, he's just like this is like this is what works, this is what doesn't like the, like the like all your fucking mythology is bullshit is is fucking horse shit here's what actually works uh now get the fuck out of my shop i need to go make more weapons
1: mhm mhm mm-hmm. yeah it's it's so good it's it's like so good and on the nose and I don't think anything is misused because this also like, it is a, it's quite a long movie and it feels like a long movie in many ways, but also I'm enjoying every moment of it. I think it's like I said, the first time that I went, wow, so much has happened. And they got to like the tombs, the first, or like the, um, the lab section of, of Deacon's tower. And I was like, Oh, this is where they're going to spend the rest of the movie. And then I was like, Oh fuck, there's another hour of this movie left hour and 10 minutes of the movie left. And I went, Oh, I can't wait to see what other parts of the story we're going to tell. Um, Because you have this young guy, Deacon, so obsessed with it and to also make him so maniacal and just kind of he's it's it's that kid that was nothing when he was human, and then he's been told he's still nothing as a vampire, and is like set forth to find his own path. You know, it's it's that thing where they want the audience to connect in some ways with their villain until they make him ir- irredeemably evil. Um, but mm-hmm. it's one of those things where you still want to like Deacon at some point, and I think Steven Dorf has a lot to do with that.
0: Yeah, and also giving him like a like genuinely one of the best villain monologues or like he's like mm-hmm. i'll tell you what we are we're at the top of the fucking food chain and just like mm-hmm. mm. like like getting that real mm-hmm. that real tight close-up of his face which i'm all here for a mm-hmm. close-up of Stephen dorf's face
1: because oh, yeah. mm. uh, yes uh, yeah. yes
0: like and also like late, like early like way earlier in the movie when he kills uh the 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 police officer familiar and uh-huh. like him and mercury like like together like l- like lapping the blood up off of his neck and i'm like this is the like this is genuinely the, the most erotic thing I've, i watched as a child
1: kink on oh, yeah, like, <laughs> oh that's something uh, with the script the use of familiars is really interesting and unassuming and again they don't have to tell you a lot but from early on they start they they tell you to look for that tattoo. And so it's, we watch Karen start noticing the tattoos and it's a really interesting thing. They don't have to belabor it for us, but it's something that we start looking for and it's like, Oh fuck. No, they fully infiltrated everything. But again, when you've got millennia to do things, you've got time to slowly infiltrate.
0: It's all great. This, this movie's just fucking fun.
1: I also really love the design because it is this combination yeah. of old world like what we think of as like vampire actually thinking about how technology would affect because most places are just like, no vampires don't need technology. They've completely forsaken it. And it's like, no, no, no. They would still have to exist with technology because with technology comes a much larger footprint and chances of being discovered by someone you don't want to be discovered by. Mm -hmm. So they really, that idea of like, I was so moved when you're in Deacon's, like room for the first time and it's just white and glass with that like brushed steel coffin um like that then raises up and it's like super plush inside it's i was like oh that makes a shit ton more sense than you know like in what we do in shadows it's funny that they're you know, hundreds of years old living in this big dark house with all these big things because it's a comedy. It works. It's so funny. Yeah. But in this, it's like when you've got people who were turned in the eighties and nineties, they're going to bring that sensibility, especially in New York mm-hmm. to being a vampire.
0: Absolutely. And so
1: I, I, you know, I loved kind of that thing, but then to also see that like no one's particularly upset when blade completely trashes and destroys the fucking holy book. Like it's so like, you know, it sucks, but they'd already deciphered it. So for them, for that moment, now I'll probably come back to this quite a bit as we go through the next two movies, because there's quite a bit of world broadening. Mm -hmm. Uh, But I think this one, I think they just did an incredible job of like, thinking on a scale that worked for their film and not thinking forward to another film necessarily though they do set it up the very end they do give you that idea that uh he then goes to oh well it's because whistler gets bitten uh and captured by the vampires and blade finds him because they left him alive because of course they did and blade gives him a gun to kill himself and uh, you know, then we see Blade in Poland. It's Poland, right? At the end, Russia. Uh,
0: end. I, I, I honestly, it's a snowy European
1: country, snowy, silvery so country. Who knows? It's late 90s. Who knows? Um, yeah. and they leave that there. And honestly, that would have been enough to you never have to do another movie again, but it gave them just enough to work with in the next film. Um, now looking back, is there anything now that you wish they had done differently like as a fan as a storyteller just as a somebody who has spent enough time reading comics that like they're just something else that you wish you'd seen in the adaptation
0: honestly no i think for the time it was set in it worked just right like we keep talking about mm. how this like this fit perfectly in that late 90s sensibility of mm. a new york story a vampire story an action story a horror story all of that come like coalescing into what it is. It works like so, so well. And they even like, they even had to course correct while making the movie because, uh, I I don't know if you you know this, but, uh, there was a different, uh, ending to the, to the whole Mm -hmm. blood God thing. Mm -hmm. So for the listeners who don't know, uh, who have seen them, who have seen the movie already. So we all know how the movie ends. like, deacon becomes the blood god and he but he looks like himself but his eyes are fully black and he and blade have a sword fight and then he gets blown the fuck up uh because we all know ice um some other fuckers always want to ice skate uphill and Mm -hmm. uh and that and and that's how it ends uh that was not how it was supposed to go instead deacon was supposed to be a giant fucking blood cloud that was that i don't know how the fuck Blade was supposed to fight it but he was um and then they did, they did it. They were doing it with, with like old school, late nineties visual effects. And they did it and they're like, wow, this looks fucking terrible. And mm-hmm. they're like, nope, sword fight. We're just doing a sword fight. And that's what, and that's how it's going to go. And, it, and, and you, and on the DVD and I'm assuming also on the Blu-ray, uh, you can, you can see that alternate ending and it. And yeah, it, it's Ooh, fucking, it, it's fucking awful. Uh, so yeah, I, like, I honestly can't think of like things that I would do totally differently. Like maybe just trimming up a few scenes to make it a little bit shorter, Mm -hmm. but all Mm -hmm. in all, like it's a, it's a pretty, it's a pretty bang on movie. I I love it.
1: Yeah. And I do also love that like so much of what they do is is like based in science, based in like figuring out what's gonna work best with the vampires and like the like silver bullets, but also the like nitrate things, like all the things they do. It's really fantastic. And it's really it was things that like hadn't thought of till then or hadn't seen in other things. It really did a nice job of like making a vampire film that fit in 1998 when that came out. Like it just it felt right.
0: Yeah. And not just that, but also a, a way, a paving the way for what Marvel was like, what studios were going to do with Marvel comics properties.
1: Yeah. And, you know, it then made sense. Like X-Men was a very similar tone. It felt like they were they didn't understand the tone, but they made a very similar tone film, you know, with that first X-Men film. And it again, didn't succeed because that's also not quite X-Men at that point. So like, you know, they were trying to figure it out, but I think blade did really nicely, even in a way of like, they didn't even get right with like Hellboy when, when Hellboy happened. Um, So that leads us to blade two, Which came out in 2002, so four years later, Mm -hmm. um, and was directed by Guillermo del Toro. Now, I did not realize it until about halfway through watching it um, that, you know, this is, this movie is a very different tone. It, you know, opens in a very different way. Um, And I think this is the most horror film of the three in mm-hmm. my opinion. Yes. Um, But again, you can't have a Del Toro film that doesn't feel like horror, but it's always very smart horror, but horror that absolutely gets to your core. Um, So why don't you briefly take people through what we see in the opening scene of blade two.
0: Right. So uh back to getting back to being in vague in, in a Europe in like a, like a weird European country where, going down like the dingy streets of like a back alley or something like a back alley uh like blood bank we like this guy walks in he gets a ticket he sits down next to a guy with a hood up and uh like they're talking about like how like you know giving blood and all of a sudden this like like sleek you know straight jawline woman comes out and 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 takes the guy away, calls him, you know, calls him by his full name, Jared, Nomac. Oh, like brings him in is like going through like the last few questions about his, uh, about his, uh, his history of who he is. And they get into the room and they force him into the chair. And he, in like, you get, you realize that this blood bank is run by vampires and they're using this for their own gains. And this is like yet another thing added on to the mythology, like to, to the lore of, of the vampires of this world. Then all of a sudden, this motherfucker's mouth splits open into a maw of fangs and tongues and, and just absolute an absolute mess of horrors. And then latches on to all these vampires like and, and absolutely destroying them, looks to a camera and in the vampire language says, I hate vampires
1: it is bum, 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 bum. it is so good so, so insane
0: like he was like this is del toro going so you thought that last movie was crazy hold my fucking beer
1: yeah and it's we quickly jump in and we see an even more developed vampire society so what's what's i mean so blade has defined whistler Because we find out that the vampires kept him alive and he's been turned and then they're keeping him in goo and moving him around. And so he's just trying to find Whistler to make him not a vampire, heal him, Uh, which, you know, is apparently possible. Um,
0: And it's also like the like the sweetest thing for Blade to do. Yeah. It's like, I got to fight. I got to find my dad.
1: I mean, and that is the whole thing. And that is really, it's those moments that really Wesley Snipes does an amazing job of finding the softness of Blade because there's not a lot of softness uh, between him and Whistler, but there's such love and adoration. And because it's that idea of like chosen family, like Whistler's family's fucking dead and Blade has no family. So it's just like shit. Like, and he found Blade as a kid on the streets killing people. So it's it's a really awesome thing. And of course that's what he's doing to find Whistler, but it puts, you know, the vampires know this, that's why they're moving him around. And we meet an even, you know, we see an even older vampire ruler than the vampire council from the first movie. Cause of course, of course there's vampire society that is even older and more, you know, it's when you move to the old European lands, the old Holy lands, you know, that is the, the, The cradle of of creation is there. The cradle of civilization is there. So, of course, the things that are, you know, the things that are even older than humans are going to exist there. And so they do a really nice, you know, job. But this also, I love that they sold this to him being like, well, it's like a Dirty Dozen Magnificent Seven vampire movie. And I was like, "Oh shit, that's exactly what this is." Yeah, and like the
0: fact, like I love the history of Del Toro with this franchise, where they asked him to direct the first movie, but mm-hmm. he at that time had just gotten done making Mimic and had such a terrible time within the Hollywood system that he was like, "I'm going mm-hmm. back to Mexico, and I am, and I'm making movies the way I want to make them." I he mm-hmm. basically is like, "I need to learn how to make." movies in a way that i will enjoy making them uh and also just it wasn't it just wasn't quite right for him at the time so he's like but he told but he said to david goyer like if you make another one call me because i would love to do it i would love to do this so then he starts Mm -hmm. making the devil's backbone and they call him up and say hey we want to make a sequel are you still down he's like if you give me just enough time, once I get this done, I'm on board. Mm-hmm. And and sure enough, like as soon as they enter post-production on devil's backbone, he's knees deep. He is waist deep into pre-production on blade Two. And like, it's, it's kind of, it's kind of crazy to think about like you know, something, something that I love about del Toro is that he has a journal for every movie he has. And he has like that. notes upon notes, mm-hmm. upon notes and story upon story. And, and like has backstory for every, for all of his characters and, and, and like, and, and dives deep into that and uses that to get, you know, to, to get the, to like work with the actors, to get them to, and and have them, you know, play it a certain way and, and help them understand and help all the actors understand that their roles better, which I love. And like, he still did that for this movie while finishing up another movie. And that other movie was, you know, the devil's backbone which is one of the best movies to come out in the past 30 years yeah and yeah and he was and at the same time he's like but i'm also making a giant a a giant monster movie on top of that
1: Mm -hmm. oh yeah he's he's just so capable as a director and as a storyteller because he gets it and he also understands how horror can enrich a story and he is one of the best like graphic monster storytellers Mm -hmm. that has ever existed that ever will exist um and he really brings that sensibility um but he also finds a beautiful way to craft a story with a lot of heart and a lot of like the human condition in it, like the relationship between blade blade and Nisa, like just kind of Nisa coming around during this. Now I do have to say something that's really interesting. I always think of Ron Perlman as a big ass motherfucker, but mm-hmm. he's tiny. He's yeah. so fucking short yeah. and, and I hate him in this movie, but he's so good. So like, we. I mean, he's a like, fucking Nazi. Yeah. I hate it. Yeah. Him. It's, yeah. Um, so I think what's really interesting is this idea that like, Blade immediately has to go and like make a pact and truce with these people that have been trying to hunt him down for decades, like the last several years to be like, oh, there's this thing that's worse than anything you could think of. Um because and it's not that he's killing vampires it's that he can't kill people without turning them into his own version of like a zombified vampire which is just going it's it's very much like a world war z vampire in those situations of Mm -hmm. like oh they're fast they're harder to kill and they're going to decimate so quickly and they do a really nice job of kind of keeping the eternal like time clock of of there are going to be thousands of these within a week. So that, like, we've got to do something. And that's
0: the early aughts in a nutshell of like, like the early, like early aughts horror, like uh, 28 days later came out around this mm-hmm. time. I think, I think it was 2003. Uh, the the Zack Snyder Dawn of the Dead was 2004. Uh, and on top mm-hmm. of that, like all of the like big horror remakes of the time, like the Texas Chainsaw Massacre and Friday the 13th uh, and, Uh, the hills have eyes like all those it was the monsters and killers are grimier they're faster they are bigger and they're harder to kill and they have a higher body count than you can imagine and Mm -hmm. that and and that is what blade 2 kind of preceded like it was it was kind of a precedent Mm -hmm. for that but with Del Toro, it was, but let's put a little bit of heart into this. And also let's make sure that the vampire unit called the blood pack looks like they stepped out of a nineties anime. And oh,
1: yeah, they look so good. I fucking love them so much. Like all that black,
0: all that black leather, so much black leather. Mm -hmm. And like, Mm -hmm. and of course, like they, I love that. Like they all look like they hail from, they all hail from completely different places. Like you've got Lighthammer and Verlaine who are like, are from like Eastern Europe, like, like Russia or Ukraine. And you have a Don, you have Donnie Yin there as snowman doesn't say shit motherfucking donny yes, yes. oh so good uh i i and i and i never remember his name um but the guy who plays priest uh i believe oh he, tony he, he, curran tony curran Tony right. Curran. i was thinking that from was his Game name but i wasn't Thrones,
1: yes from Game of, he's so good and i think in he's one of the travel commercials i think he's irish if i'm not mistaken irish or scottish one of the two yeah, yeah. i'm sure somebody's screaming at us right now but
0: yeah uh i, I i'm refusing to look i'm 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 here's th- here's the thing listeners I have not watched these movies in a long time, but I watched these movies so much as a child, and I've watched them so much since that I know every beat of these movies. Um, so I'm also, and I'm also just refusing to look up anything because I'm just like, I have to, like, I have to know how much I actually remember about these movies. Apparently, it's a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, and then Chupa, who is the dude
1: from the Fast and the Furious. <gasps> uh, uh, he's, I. Uh he's so hot and so gay I'm, I'm gonna say it like
0: they're all gay they're all so gay this is this is like the queerest well, group of vampire
1: hunters i mean vampires are inherently queer coded like oh, there's not very a way... much so. Because it is, I do love that idea in what we do in shadows. They're like, when we're around for thousands of years, you do everything, which is why I love, by the time this comes out, the new interview with the vampire will have premiered. Oh no, it won't. It will be premiering on AMC. And you can't tell me that that trailer is not the gayest fucking thing ever, which would make Anne Rice so upset, which is why I'm so glad they're doing it. Um uh, but yeah, so get, oh my God, Chupa's show hot, so hot. And so the other night I was sitting around watching TV and I've never seen the Fast and the Furious movies, any of them, none mm-hmm. of them. Uh, and you're making, you're if, making
0: that like a life goal
1: at this point. I mean, I, it was on and I was like, listen, this will be a great time to watch it. That first movie is not good and no one can tell me otherwise. It is a point, it is, it is, it is, it's po- po- it is terrible. It's a point brink ripoff. Yeah. Yeah. Um, with bad acting like none of them are good actors (laughs) but i do get the appeal and i'm gonna keep watching them i'm you know living on a boat i've got a whole lot lot of shit to watch i got a whole lot of shit to watch so i downloaded all of them absolutely legally to watch i know for a fact i'm fairly certain
0: i just want to take like a little bit of side note just here i'm fairly certain tokyo drift is gonna be your favorite
1: oh probably i i love some i love like some you like the japanese thing yeah it's like it. well like it is you know a a southern boy has
0: to move to japan and has to it's it's kind of like karate kid in a way where it's like he's got to learn he's got he's got to learn the he's got to adapt to to living here he can't mm-hmm. he can't just be a dumb american boy anymore he's got to adapt and be better uh,
1: I love that. But when I realized, I went, oh, that rough kid looks kind of hot. I was like, he kind of looks like Chupa. And then I went, I, I MDB'd and went, ah, it's that fuck, that fucker oh uh, that little chaos bear cub because he's not quite <laughs> thick enough to be but he a little bear cub boy with his little he would do very well on twitter right now like gay twitter he'd be very popular <laughs> i'm surprised more people don't talk about him i'm pretty uh, sure, I, sure I, if i'm not mistaken calming. like
0: he's he's either where like i think like when we first meet him he's he's like wearing chain mail and then he's also yes. like got like the he's got like the see-through shirt on later yeah and like this like the
1: like off the shoulder, that's got the a cut, like the the like arched in cut. He definitely has a gaze. Del
0: Toro knows voice. what fucking movie he's making and he knows the audience for it. He gets it. Del Toro
1: it. always appeals to the gays and the yes. monster fuckers, which are pretty much the same thing at this point. Um, uh, because I'm don't sorry, don't come for me. Shape, don't call me out. Water. Listen, <laughs> listen.
0: Look, my... We're looking at a mirror right now.
1: just uh uh, i wish i looked this pretty in a mirror are you kidding me Um, (laughs) stop it (laughs) no one needs to know that i absolutely have the biggest podcast crush on jd which is why they're on the show no not really i adore them they're like my little baby i could never they're so they're so precious i love them so much um now that i've derailed everything uh i did have a really good thought of what i was gonna say oh uh no i was gonna say i mean there's a reason why my Patreon exclusive series called Leyline Radio, which releases October 30th on our Patreon, two dollars a month gets you spooky stories. Uh, it's called Man Seeking Monster. Uh, listen, I, I love me a monster in any way. So like whatever, I'm whatever. I'm gonna leave that there. Y'all can assume whatever degenerate things you want to assume about me. Werewolves um, are
0: too human for me, I want, I want more monster.
1: I I do love a werewolf, though. Werewolves are fucking dope. I think it's... Is it the game Monster Prom there's like that it's like a dating simulator game i think it's called monster prom it's so sweet and every time i'm like i need the werewolf boy to love me and ask me to prom <laughs> um also this is your reminder that there's a cute werewolf boy that you can buy cute little gay flannel outfits and give him a little pumpkin spice latte uh with cute little boxer briefs that you can go buy at build-a-bear right now so go do it you degenerate queers with money uh he's probably sold out in stores right now i didn't get him the first weekend that i saw him before he got popular in tiktok and then i went back to buy him because he got popular in tiktok and he is no more but they're hoping he will they will restock this week i plan to be there better. friday morning when they i plan to be there friday morning when they open um but yes so oh I, you know there's a lot of uh this movie's just sexy like del toro who is like the least sexy and vibe is like a person. Cause he's very much just like the embodiment of like cargo shorts, comfortable shoes and a button down shirt. Like he's very unassuming is like a chunky little beard boy. I love him so much. Um, but like his movies are always really horny. And I love that. Uh, Cause even like pan's labyrinth, which is about child trauma is a little horny, but not towards the child. Thankfully it's not problematic. Um, but like, it's this movie's horny in the best way like that's Mm -hmm. the best way to put it is like they also amp it up like the leather the his designers always understand the assignment like i would die to work on that design team because it's sleek but there's so much intricacy to it he loves an old bald villain with just a hundred pound velvet robe like fuck me up. Like who doesn't want to be a dramatic bald queen and a hundred pound red robe. Who and like, and like, look
0: like you're about to crack because you oh, look like yeah. you're made of glass, which, uh, which he does crack later
1: when he dies, which I was like, like
0: yes, does. yes. Toro, you knew what I wanted to see. And I love it. But
1: I, I love that. He dives into that thing of like this race of like this species of humanoid is like not actually meant to be immortal. Like they don't die easily, but they keep bringing up how easily vampires die, which I love. But it's one of those things that, like, especially because he's one of the old ones, they really make him look like the Nosferatu. Mm-hmm. Um, which is really important that that um oh god what's his name uh uh, 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 uh the actor um, Nomak looks like oh. him, like Nomak looks. Like the Nosferatu. They're playing with this kind of thing that Kindred and the Embrace really tapped into, which is that there are different races of vampires that do different things and are from different places and have different sets of powers. I really like that. Um, But yeah let's jump in so we keep talking about things we love but i think for me the first one is the design of this movie is so different than the first movie but it still feels like it's in the same world now i will say that there is a single exception with this and i know it's because the actor has foot and leg problems because of their height uh and athletic injuries but wesley snipes is in the ugliest fucking shoes in this movie and in blade three that do not go with the rest of his costume other than being black leather they're very practical and ugly but they're not sleek and i know it's because he has a very large foot and he has like issues now we would build him a custom pair of boots that would be comfortable enough for him but there's especially because there's so many scenes where like he does the superhero pose and like it goes from the feet up and i'm just like your shoes are Ugly. The rest of your costume is so good, but that's again probably me just being a costume. He's got like they, they,
0: uh... like like they like they modified his vest and he's got those cool buttons <gasps> on it. Mm-hmm, I want mm-hmm. that vest.
1: Mm -hmm. And they give him another really cool trinket, which is an aerosol version of his, his serum, which was a nice way to step it up. And again, they do a lot of what they did in the first movie, which is they don't give you more than you need in the moment, but they also don't give you exposition dumps. You really find out things as you go. And uh, I really, I think for me, it's the design of this movie is just because it goes further into You know, the oldest vampires would have kind of the older, what we expected of vampires. But then when you go inside and it's all like, oh, it's all sciency in here. Mm -hmm. This shit's a lab inside of a stone temple. Okay, I'm here for this. Um, And even like the, well, and you know, tech started at the very beginning of this with Norman Reedus' character. Who, I did not see that coming, but God was... God was I happy when it came that he was a familiar and had been punkin blade the whole fucking time. <laughs> the Whistler hated him and I was like, "Whistler is a pretty good judge of character at this point." Yeah. Uh so but I so I think for me the first thing I really love about this movie is the design of bringing us like it's advancing the world of the first movie while kind of completely rewriting the rules Of like visuals and designs that were set up by the first movie, but we're going beyond New York. Like we're leaving New York in this. Mm -hmm. And, and I think it was a really interesting point to go, okay, those are the New York vampires who all like emigrated to the new world. And these people necessarily haven't for the same reasons yet. And I really love that yeah and there are
0: just like these really nice little moments that are peppered through the the moment i that always like just like that burdened into my head at how fucking dope blade is is the scene where they're in the helicopter. it's you see blade uh scud Norman Reedus's character and nisa in the helicopter like on their way to meet damaschinos for the first time and like figure out what the fuck he wants and uh and she mentions like you know it's like we, we were told stories about blade the boogeyman he came along so easily and blade and scott's like come on show her please pretty please show her and he just shows he just opens his jacket and there is just enough explosives in his jacket to level a city block and she yeah. just gets this little smile of like
1: cute yeah <laughs> like it's it's so good it's, it's so, so good. And it's just those little moments that are just really smart to continuing the, this kind of like thing that they built in the first and also like Wesley was still fully invested. And so like you had, you really had at the end of the day, you had Chris Christopherson and you had, um, you had Wesley Snipes, which was really all you kind of needed to keep this franchise going. And they did a really nice job of that. Uh, Mm -hmm. so what are what are some things for you that just really what is i guess the first thing for you that really just stands out about this film of whether you like it more or because like i think we both agree that this is the best film of the three
0: yes like in what it's
1: trying to accomplish what you know it's i would also argue that you could jump into this never seeing blade one and you're it's just fine that way
0: yeah they even give you like blade gives you the cliff notes of his life in the opening of like right after the the nomac opening you get that Mm -hmm. like music cue and then blade comes in forget what you know vampires exist and then gives you like the cliff notes of of who he is and what vampire society is and then jumps into an into a chase scene so Mm -hmm. i like i love that i love like you talk about the design and like the design like the like there's not like the set design of itself the art direction is fantastic Mm -hmm. but also the monster design is absolutely insane and mm-hmm. then like we talk about how like there are different like sex of vampires and how and like they're all and like no vampires are like even within the reapers the the new vampire mm-hmm. species here there are differences within with them as well and how they're all very like even though they all look the same like they're all mm-hmm. they're all slightly different they all each of them have like a little bit of a quirk with which each of them i love the i love and actually speaking of music i love the like i love the music itself by Marco batrami in this movie um shout out to Marco batrami also composer of the scream franchise uh mm-hmm. and but i love the like the needle drops in this movie are fantastic mm-hmm. there's a, there's the great song eye against eye that plays as the blood plaque led by blade is led in slow motion into the house of pain which holy shit mm-hmm. the house of pain where it's like yeah vampires are just like fucking masochists at this point and sadists and they're just gonna like fucking open each other up while in a while in a bdsm nightclub because fuck it why of not course, and course, then like you go course. into the back you then like you go into the back of this warehouse because of course we're back in up we're back in a nightclub a warehouse nightclub Um uh, but you go into the back and it's like it's like an old european home in the back mm-hmm. of this warehouse and then later um my favorite needle drop because it is it is it, it, it like this action scene lives in my in my brain rent free and it is right after uh blade like blade was on the on the brink of death after being drained of his blood once again because the vampires just really want his blood they really like need to figure out what the fuck is going on and why he why he he can walk in why he is the daywalker why he can walk in daylight and have all their strengths and other weaknesses they got to figure that shit out just like in the first movie um but they do it way cooler because he's on like a fucking table that like spikes through his entire body and is insane. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's on the verge of death, and then he drop, and then like he drops into that pool of blood the Demaskinos would bathe in, and then he emerges and he's fucking back, baby. And he comes in, and all of a sudden the name of the game, but the Crystal Method starts playing, and it comes in with mm-hmm. that with that little like drop of like, listen, all you motherfuckers, and then all of a sudden he just like decimates all of these body of all these like familiar bodyguards and then splits Ron Perlman in half mm-hmm. by coming back with, the, with the stupid racist remark that he, that Ron Herman said to him before, can you blush? Just, yeah. Oh, everything about that scene is just, and then right after that Whistler coming in blade tosses in the sunglasses. He catches them with one hand, puts them on, even though he's indoors and it's at night, but we don't give a fuck. It's fucking blade. He's got to wear his sunglasses. It's just that entire scene. It just encapsulates like what I love about these movies.
1: I also know that it's because the contacts were really uncomfortable for Wesley Snipes and he notoriously has a lazy eye and So it was difficult for him to wear the contact and not have it drift. So it also really helped wearing those the whole movie practically. Uh, But, you know, it's also like he's such a badass. Uh, Mm -hmm. But J.D., I hate to tell you. It's almost it's almost night. So we got to get back inside. And that means. That means you all. Have to come back next time to hear the rest about Blade 2 and then hear us gush about Blade Trinity and the horny sticky time that is Blade Trinity. Uh, So JD, until next time, my love.
0: Until next time.
1: Let me guess. You're bummed because your acceptance letter from a certain school of witchcraft and wizardry was never delivered by OWL, or you're sitting there wishing you could find more stories about wizarding schools that are a little more inclusive and open. I was just like you. Well, that was until I discovered Saved by the Spell. From Dreamer Productions, the company behind podcasts like Saturday Morning Confidential and Exit Stage Death comes Saved by the Spell, your spellbinding gateway, taking you chapter by chapter through magical academies from across this literary reality and the next. Class starts in November, where you will go inside Breakbills University for magical pedagogy from Lev Grossman's The Magicians. Saved by the Spell can be found exclusively on Dreamer Productions' Patreon feed, by following the link in the show notes below. So get ready, students, to be saved by the spell. Saturday Morning Confidential is brought to you by Dreamer Productions and is a proud member of the Certain POV Podcast Network. You can find us on Facebook at Saturday Morning Confidential, on Instagram at SMC Pod, and on Twitter at the SMC Podcast. You can find all the shows that Certain POV has to offer at CertainPOV.com or also on Patreon at Dreamer Productions, where your donation of only $2 a month keeps constant programming coming in and supporting our new shows as we go throughout 2022. Now, join us again next time for another deep dive into the files of Saturday Morning Confidential. CPOV CertainPOV.com